So on today's episode of Lunch with Auntie, I am interviewing Michelle Young, who is an absolute inspiration to me, and I'm just so excited to interview her and see what her day-to-day life as an entrepreneur and a founder is really about. Welcome to Lunch with Auntie. Um, and I like the first thing I just want to ask is because I like rarely ever meet like another old Sanokian. I guess I'm an old Sanokian now that I technically graduated. Um, and I, like the first thing I want to do is ask if the economics department is still exactly the same because it probably still is. Um, but how was your time there? And you know what made you choose to leave to boarding school? Or you know, and how was your time moving to England and all that? Um, well, I always knew I was going to go to England for university. Mm-hmm. My dad actually was in England. My, my dad and his younger brother, they were all there from a very early age, from the early teens. So they did boarding school and went to university there. Um, we thought boarding school would be a good way for me to adjust to new country, a new culture, you know, somewhat like a halfway house <laughs> in a positive sense. Yes. Um, and yeah, it was, I don't know, I, I wanted the experience as well, so I was very much up for it. I went for lower and upper six, so only for two years. Which house are you in? GIH. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, as well, like the kids are. Um, so yeah, it was, and uh, I went, like, I shopped around a little bit, I went to the more traditional boarding schools to have a look as well, mm-hmm. but I really fell in love with um, Seven Oaks, being more progressive, being co-ed and being close to London, yes. and having the, because a lot of the other boarding schools, you can only leave um, the exit weekends like once every few weeks, and with Seven Oaks, it was every week, is it still every week, you can go out yet. So that was another pull factor. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. And you played rugby whilst there? Oh wow, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, and then so you stayed on and you went to university and so how was that transition and you know how did you decide to do what you did which was economics and law was it? The first degree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, when I before going to Southern Oaks I thought I would, was going to end up at, at LSE or one of the London universities but one of my best friends um, at Seven Oaks was a girl who lived in Bristol, Astrid, and so I used to go to Bristol to visit with her quite a lot. Um, fell in love with the city, decided I wanted more of a campus life that a lot of the, the London universities would not give me. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, it's got a great nice life scene, it's sort of a campus within the city, um, good strong economic department as well. And, yeah, therefore I made the decision to go to Bristol instead of to the London University. And then you went to Oxford after that, so you decided to just go straight into a second degree? No, um, so I worked for a few years. Okay. Um, in, in um, what's it called? The Centre for Market and Public Organisation. So it's a private sector think tank consulting for the British government on a lot of PPE, um, PPP, <clears throat> initiatives. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with three or four professors, got published, um, and, is, and was considering at the time becoming an academic. Okay. And that's why I do my master's um, at Oxford. Yes. 
So then, masses, still where there was also a thesis component to it. Although writing my thesis, I realized I definitely did not want to become an academic. <laughs> um, yes, but that kind of then inspired my next move because my thesis was about the family, the fourth, three generation cousin family firms. Yes. How less five percent of family firms last past the third generation. Okay. Um, and. Yeah, and then now I find myself in the family business doing what I was preaching in my thesis, which is just, my theory was that um, in first and second generation family firms, because of altruism, because uh, you love your parents, and if you work for your parents, you're not going to engage in moral hazard. So it's all around a principal agent problem. Okay. Um, and that, yeah, the love that you have for your parents means you will not shirk because their happiness depends on the expected profitability of the business and then you factor that into your own happiness. But actually when it gets to third generation, you don't really care about your second aunts and uncles, such that the love from the older generation becomes more than the love from the younger generation and then the equation kind of reverses. So I showed that, I guess, so I built a microeconometric model to show how um, the expected profits are higher in a family firm for the first and second generation, but become lower in the third generation and onwards. So my theory okay. is that is to keep them all within two generations. So I've started three businesses in the last three years. Oh, wow, so yeah, my- that's where we were going to go to next, because I actually have had the chance to visit at least one of your new businesses, which is Core Collective, which has my favourite boxing class. Um, and... I just want to hear a little bit about that because from what I could gauge, it's really different to what, you know, your family business is and it's a completely different path and you really are an entrepreneur in your own right. So I just want to hear a little bit about that transition. Um, well, I do have a very, very fortunate um, support from my family. It's, it's not easy being an entrepreneur, but I think coming from uh, a family that, is able to provide the resources and the connections to help start those businesses and provide me first with the platform when I joined the business, I took over Orem Land, which is a property development company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I then got a good foundation in real estate and actually all these new businesses have also foundations in real estate, but instead of just building physical spaces, we now build community and build opportunities that um, our purpose is broadened with the purpose for all the businesses I start in the group, in the Orum group, are to build supportive environments that create change, advance communities, and accelerate growth. So they all mm-hmm. have that common um, purpose, and they also have roots in there is a real estate component, there's a community component, um, there's a customer service excellence component. Yeah. So those are the things that we try to of maintain as a DNA through, as a common thread through the different companies. Okay. Uh, my vision to um, transform Aurum from a, just a property developer to a space of business innovator. Yeah. With a focus of people, with a, really to become like the virgin of the co-sharing world. Yeah. So, with um, co-working through Foundate that I co-founded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, co-wellness and co-fitness through co-collective, uh, co-living through an investment in Hamlet, mm-hmm. co-learning through an investment in New Camp 
purpose, exploring the next business being in co-retirement, the okay. retirement for living, which we just done a big project with um, SMUX on uh, to ideate different models, different shapes and forms that co-retirement concept could take. Which was actually very uh, interesting. The, the final year students at SMU came up with some really good ideas, I think. That's fantastic. No, I just love that whole, like, moving kind of a traditional business into, you know, something that really is the 21st century and, you know, you're creating all these new businesses so nothing will last more than two generations. Um, but moving a little bit more on to, like, your personal life, how is it being trying to balance being a mother and having young children and still working? And how do you find that? And how do you manage to do it, really, is more the question. Oh, I'm still figuring it out. I would not say that I have a um, very balanced life. Um, yeah, the hours can be quite bad. Um, but the, the pace of, of work as well, because being your own boss, you never really get to shut down or unwind. Yes. Funny joke at the moment, the team is making bets on how long this maternity leave is going to last. <laughs> My first baby, I took a month and then I had to go back to work because one of my other team members was also pregnant but having complications and we couldn't find someone to cover her short term flight like that. Yes. Baby two came two weeks early so I had handed over to my team so I was back at work five days later. Baby number three, I thought I took one month as well. My team just reminded me no, it was five days as well because we were working on a tender that was just called and there was a tight timeline. So, so they're like, this baby's okay. going to be three <laughs> in and out yeah that's absolutely insane yeah. but I have so much respect for that um and but so I get to bring the baby to work you know so okay. I turn the meeting room into a crash my health becomes like, <laughs> so bad yeah no no I like no but that is really quite incredible and then so how old's the oldest seven and a half Oh, so you're going to have four under eight. Yes. <laughs> Good luck. Um, that's started late, so I don't have the luxury of spreading them out. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. My mum was the same. Um, I was eight when my youngest sister was born. So um, fully on that boat. And then so like time managing, you know, how is it being home during this crisis? Because I assume you're working from home. Um, yeah. How is it being home trying to continue really working? being eight months pregnant and having three little ones at home? Well, um, my husband and I take turns with the homeschooling. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, they decided to bring forward the June holidays to May, so homeschooling, oh that has been quite difficult. Yes. Um, so number two, and um, number one and two have like officially got homework. We have to sit down with them okay. to help them. Um, but still does a lot of the homeschooling. I have to do the Mandarin because he's British and can't help on that front. <laughs> um, but they, they've been quite good about it. Like Our oldest is very conscientious. So he's the one bugging me that I need to sit down and find time to, to work with him on his homework. And then number three, he's only he's not even three years old. But because he sit, sees us sit down with a his older brothers, he'll grab a book and then he wants me to do work with him well. <laughs> Like, <laughs> so it's really cute. Like we never usually get this kind of time together. Yeah. 
but they don't always respect when I tell them I've got meetings and mm -hmm. they've learned to pick the lock on my bedroom door. Okay. So they <laughs> well, they're learning something. They've learned to pick the lock. Um, yeah, so it's not always easy getting mm -hmm. that peace and quiet to, to focus on, on my own work, but I do appreciate this extra time that we have all together at home. And how is it moving your business kind of online? Was most of it kind of already online or is it just a complete nightmare or? No, I mean, our businesses are by design supposed to be experiential. So it's um, for like founding, we can't provide the service that we used to yes. in terms of workspace. But instead what we're trying to do is provide resources to the community. Um, provide online platforms for to continue to engage the members to engage with each other and us to engage with the members, um, both on a social level but also on a more like, business support level. For our co-collective, we have now got 16 virtual classes online. Okay. The space of, you know, it's, they didn't give us much time to prepare for the lockdown. <laughs> but within a week, we had about 15 residents um, already up and running for the virtual classes and then another 10 or 15 have also joined more recently so okay. we do have the repertoire and that has been received quite well um it's broadening our reach too so that's exciting but with both businesses um it's supposed to be in person so this is no replacement for the actual service that we we you know were designed to deliver but what's been great is that it encourages us to think out of the box and, and come up with new products and services that could actually become quite meaningful differentiators in the future. And so we're taking this chance to really try to reinvent ourselves and look not just for the incremental gains that are necessary to keep the business afloat, belt tightening measures, but really also transformational gains in really trying to understand what the new world post-COVID could look like yes. and how, what kind of opportunities we can, we can seize as a result. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. And this is kind of the, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I always ask this at the end. And it's especially for you because um, most people who listen to this are from Seven Oaks. Um, so do you have any advice for people my age, finishing the upper six or lower six or have just graduated? Um, what is your advice for people our age, you know, going into this whole new kind of world? No, thank you. Um, I think it's really hard to know even, even harder for you guys. But just graduating um, from sixth form, going into university, I suppose you do have a few more years. You, you know what you're going to do in terms of your next step for education. Um, but you don't necessarily have to have your career planned out. Um, I suppose I wish I had spoken to more people to really get insights on what it is like in their day-to-day -day work lives. Um, growing up in Singapore, I always everyone assumed I was going to go, like, just be a businesswoman. So when I did economics, accounting, and law, it was sort of hedging my bets because I had no idea what I was actually going to do. So I thought, cover all the bases. Yes. 
know. Um, but studying and real world, I don't think have that. There's not that much carryover. Mm-hmm. I mean, it helps. I, I understand some legal terms and principles. It helps that I can read a balance sheet and PL because it helps like some of the economic principles can kind of be applied to um, the business world, but it's not really that important. So do something that you enjoy, you love, and it's probably the only time that you have that liberty. Yeah. So I am glad that I chose Bristol over London because I had a great time there. Um, yeah, and I chose the subjects because I thought they would put me instead, but I actually tried to drop accounting and I tried to drop law. I was not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to push on with all three for the three years. Um, but I wish I'd just done economics. Yeah. You know, because uh, So, yeah, you while you're young, do what you enjoy, and then speak to people, and hopefully you'll discover what you'll continue to enjoy into your professional life. And I think that's a fantastic note to end it. Um, that's really lovely. Thank you so much. So that is today's episode of Lunch with Auntie. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed interviewing Michelle Young. She is an absolute inspiration to me and all the projects she does just seem so cool. If you want to find out more about her, click the link on the description and I have all her links and stuff there.